Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is David Fields. After a nine-year marketing career at GlaxoSmithKline, David transitioned to consulting, becoming a partner at a boutique firm before co-founding Ascendant Consulting, specializing in helping large corporations enter new markets. He introduced a general contractor model focusing on winning engagements, ensuring quality and managing relationships while subcontracting expert work. He's also the author of a book we're going to touch on a little bit today, The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients. So, David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow, that, that intro goes way back because, of course, I haven't had Ascending Consulting even for eight, nine years. So my oh, friend wow. David well, A. Fields, I don't know where group. we, I don't know where we got that then. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you know my group provided or it came from somewhere. It doesn't matter, but yeah, I came out of marketing and then co-founded a firm, co-founded a consortium. But eight nine years ago, we transitioned almost exclusively to working with other consulting firms, with you know advising firms on how to grow. So no, we haven't had corporate clients in probably ah, at least eight nice, years. Nice. All right. Well, we, as we were talking about off air, we have similar models and I think similar beliefs. In fact, let me throw a really hard question at you, or maybe you've got a perfect right. answer for this already. If you're going to describe your point of view about you know, sure. consulting or what it is you bring as a consultant, do you feel like you have a, a unique point of view? For our group, or do you think, do I think consultants should have a unique point of view? No, I think you personally. Yeah. I think that's I an you, interesting I'm, I'm question. Let's start with a hard question. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Do I have a unique point of view? I think I have a point of view, which is it, it, people tend to say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know that it's unique as much as it's kind of a reminder of what people know deep down, right? So like the most fundamental uh, principle we teach is what we call right side up thinking which means consulting is not about you. And this is the same for all professional services and, and probably all businesses, right? But yep. I say for yep. consulting is not about you. It's about your clients. It's about your prospects. It's about them. So, you, you know, so we call that right side up thinking. And it's really easy in concept. And people tend to say, oh, yeah, 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 of course. In practice, it actually proves to be quite difficult. You know, it's interesting. I, I work with a lot of startup consultants. I mean, they're jumping out of corporate or something. They're going out and telling people, here's what I charge. And and I will say that what you just touched on right there is probably one of the hardest things at first, because it's all about like, what do I know? Do I know enough? <laughs> am I an right. expert? <laughs> you know, am I worth whatever amount I'm charging? And, and what you're talking about is actually how you overcome that, isn't it? That, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So- one of the things that we teach a lot of, I'm sure you get this all the time, you know, the there are definitely people that are good at delivering consulting. They get very good at, you know, sharing their expertise, bringing third, you know, outside view to the world. They're not so great at getting sure. clients necessarily. You know, they, yeah. they, and part <laughs> of that is they see so many bad, they see so many bad examples of what people are doing out there or they think they have to mimic, you know, what are just for consultants, if you're going to say, here's the three things every consultant should do or could do, and they'll have all the clients they need. Wow. You're right. People really struggle. And, and in part, I think it's because they approach consulting like you need to sell it. And yeah. the, they try to be salespeople. And consulting is not sold. Consulting is bought. You can't sell yeah. someone a solution, uh, a consulting solution to a problem they don't have. So- you can all you can do is approach people and be 
out there in the world in the right ways for the right people. So that when they have a problem that you can solve, they're thinking, hey, you know what? I need to call John. John can help me solve this problem. So consulting is bought. You don't sell at consulting, which is why being yeah, right yeah. side up is so important. Right. Being, you know, listening. Yeah. Yeah. For most folks that are small, that are under, call it $5 million, and especially for startups, their biggest challenge tends to be that they are too broad, that they're, they make this crazy, ironic mistake of saying, well, but I need to keep my market as broad as possible so that I, I can win business. Sure. <laughs> and it's the exact opposite. I mean, I've got all the evidence in the world. And even though it's really hard to do, you have to give up. 90% of your possible audience so that you are exactly right and attractive and credible for that 10% or 1% that will then say, oh, you're, you are the person. Your firm is the firm. And up to about $25 million, yeah. you find is the, the larger the firm, the more specialized they are. I think that's hard, particularly for people getting started. That's hard because it means saying no a lot. Right. And nobody wants to say yep. no to what they think could be an opportunity. Isn't that the challenge? <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't necessarily have to say no. You can still be opportunistic. What, what we tend to tell people is be narrow in your marketing and broad in your capabilities, which means especially if you need to keep the lights on, if you need cash and at the beginning you need cash. Yeah. If someone comes along and says, hey, I'm willing to pay you 25000 or 100000 or whatever, to do something. It's okay to say yes. However, in any yeah. of your marketing, in any of your discussions, as you're telling people, here's what I do, you want to be very narrow, resonates, yeah. narrow is memorable. Yeah, is that, that resonate yeah, with I love you? That or, too, or because also, yeah, no, absolutely. And and one of the things I love that you said was about taking the $100,000, because frankly, that's how you develop your experience. You know, sometimes you go figure out something you don't know how to do, and you end up deciding, hey, we're pretty good at that. <laughs> or we developed a, you know, an expertise to do that. Yeah. Right. And also, it would be crazy I, I, I wanna... if you sit, it would be crazy if you decide what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on water bottles. And then, and you get like 12 requests from, I don't know, people that, that want, you know, you to advise them on how to build chairs. You know, I'm on water bottles. It's like, dude, listen to the market. The market is telling you something. So just listen to the market. I want to go, I want to back up a minute to something you said that you can't sell somebody who doesn't have a problem. I essentially sell strategy. Most businesses we work with don't ever wake up and say, I'm going to go buy strategy today. So how do you sell something? And I know you've written about this. How do you sell something to some somebody who has the problem? They just don't know they do. So you're not, I don't know if you're going to like my answer to this one, because I, uh, what we typically tell people is don't. We have a you know whole thing we call fishing where the fish are. <laughs> and you your right, right, prospects right. are either aware they have a problem or don't or they're not aware. And also so that's one way you can think of them. Another way you can think of them is if they have a problem, how urgently do they want to solve it? They want to solve it now or like sure. maybe in the future or the or no urgency at all. And we highly recommend you target people who are aware of the problem and want to solve it now. And the reason is they're really easy yeah. to win business from. Trying to convince people they have yeah, a problem yeah. is, is, that's hard work. You can do it. There are ways at it. I can tell you some ways at it, but I would much rather just go after the people who are saying, oh yeah, yeah. I want to solve this problem you're talking about. You know, it's just easier. Yeah. yeah. And I guess probably what ends up happening, or at least for us, is 
they don't wake up and say, I want strategy, but they wake up and say, how come I have to compete on price all the time? How come exactly. you know, my competitors show up in search results and I don't show up? And it's like, well, those are strategy problems. And so exactly. it's really selling. The sim it's understanding the symptoms, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. That is 100% right. And again, yeah. we run into this all the time. Yeah. Consultants, at least, like to talk about themselves in these big terms, general terms. But that's not how clients are describing their symptoms. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Do you believe that consultants need, this is, I guess this is a yes or no answer, or this might be a depends. <laughs> do you think they need a, a framework? You know, do you need something that's repeatable that you can take out to somebody and say, here's, you know, here's our framework? Yes. There's my yes or no answer. Yes. Would you like more behind that? <laughs> yes. yes, for two reasons. <laughs> Two reasons. One, unless you have some sort of framework, repeatable approach, you have nothing scalable. So you, you cannot scale 100% right. bespoke. And second, a framework a view of the world creates credibility. It shows that you understand this problem, this challenge, and that makes you a more reliable solution. You, you don't need to be different. You just need to be credible. Yeah. Yeah. And the framework creates credibility. I I also find that you get better at it. I mean, if you're practicing the Absolutely. same process or methodology, you get better at delivering results, right? Exactly. Like uh, I said, okay, let's throw another one out then. Projects. Reasons. No, go go ahead. We have a little delay, I think, in our thing, so I'm stepping on you a little bit there. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, the, not sure uh, why. But... I'll throw and I'll throw out another one. Projects versus yeah. retainers. Talk that one through. Just different types of, so you're talking about different contract structures or, or what happens uh, frequently is this conflating of contract structures, meaning how you get paid and work structures. And it's understandable that they get conflated because certain types of projects or work gets, it fits better with certain fee structures. Project work, by and large, you want to get be paid a project fee you know, a, a, which can be determined in front or, or advanced, variable or fixed. Advisory work or ongoing work tends to be better set up as what we would call a stipend. We don't really talk about retainers. Uh, attorneys get retainers, which is a lump of money that is, uh, them and then they draw against it hourly. A, a much better uh, model is what we would call a stipend, which is a periodic payment. You don't draw down against it. It's just a payment and that keeps you available to give advice or, or what have you, or work on, on the client's issues for uh, a month or a quarter or a year. Or, you know, if you can get a decade long stipend, that would be good. So the matching <laughs> the right contract structure with the right type of work helps. That's one that's complex enough. I would advise folks go and, you know, grab an article or, or look at a, you know, like my second book or even my first book to see different pricing structures. Yeah. You know, the one that we've fallen on for years, you and I, again, we're talking before I hit record, but is, you know, we like to deliver strategy up front. So that's like everybody buys that product. You don't pass go, you know, without doing that if you're going to retain us. And then it's like, well, for the next year, you know, how much could you pay us on a monthly basis? And we'll like check all the boxes, you know, as quarter by quarter. You actually gave that a name that I had not called it. So you want to kind of describe that in your words? Yeah, well, we, we call that Colorado pricing, where you ask the client, you know, basically, what fee would you feel comfortable paying on a periodic basis pretty much forever, you, you know, at least for the next couple of years or three years? 
what's going to feel comfortable paying monthly or paying quarterly, paying, you know, twice a year. And whatever that price is, we will figure out then how do we create value within that? You know, and if at any point you feel like it's you're not getting your value, you let us know or we'll, we'll cut it off. Yeah, we call that Colorado pricing. So one of the things that I discovered early on is to do that pricing model, you have to have a very high level of trust with a client because you're essentially saying, trust me, <laughs> you'll get the results yep. for this price, right? So how do you develop that level of trust, particularly early on? Yeah. So you develop trust. I mean, that's a big topic. There are ways to develop trust quickly. The What anybody will tell you is the way you develop trust is by being trustworthy. And that means <laughs> a, a lot of things. No question. So the we talk about trust as being a trust triangle. Because there are three points in the trust triangle. And in the middle is me. But from this client's point of view, client, client is always thinking me. They're thinking there's three questions. A client is thinking, do you have my best interests at heart? Right? Are you thinking about me? And the client is thinking, are you going to help me? And separately, it sounds similar, but it's actually different is, are you going to hurt me? And so very quickly, huh. you need to demonstrate that you're thinking, you're putting their interests first. For instance, by not saying you can do things that you can't actually do. By recommending perhaps they find a different expert for certain things. That shows you're putting their interests above yours. You show that you can help them by showing your credibility, by case studies, by pointing out the value of working with you. But also really important, and, and this is even more important in certain cultures uh, when you get outside the U.S., you just show you're not going to cause harm. That can be a little bit harder to demonstrate, but it can come across in your emails and how you phrase things. And if you're ever in a meeting where there's your client and multiple people, you go out of your way to make sure, even if someone says something dumb or wrong, that you never embarrass them, right? That you, you help everybody look yeah. good. And, and if you yeah. can do with those, you can focus on that trust triangle, then uh, you can fairly quickly build the kind of trust that allows you to, to create these relationships where you do Colorado pricing. Of course, you can also start out and say, let's give it a three-month trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one that I'll throw into there, and it's maybe because yeah. of who we've tend to work with over the years and my point of view about systems. Demonstrating that you have a process of, you know, is really goes a sure. long way towards building trust. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a really good <laughs> point. Because I think a lot of people have, a lot of people have, I think a lot of people have been burned by consultants who were winging it. Let's face it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think that's a really good point. Show, showing you've done it before, showing results, that's all part of the credibility and you can help me bucket. Being yeah, able to, right. to say, yeah, we've got this thing all mapped out. Here's our 25 step diagnostic or 25 point diagnostic on this. Yeah, that makes a big difference. We've, Gone 16 minutes and 32 seconds into our interview, and I've not mentioned AI yet. So I'm going to do that now. How do you see it changing the industry from your um, view, the consulting industry? Yeah, John, here, my point of view is anybody who prognosticates on this, anybody is setting themselves up to be wrong. We all know it's going to sure. affect the industry. Yeah. And however we predict it is going to be wrong. It will have a, a massive impact you know, where exactly, how clients will use it and how consultants will use it. Boy, it's hard to tell. I'm seeing so many fascinating applications of AI. 
I mean, it's just extraordinary things I wouldn't have imagined. I, I, I will tell you, I would not like to be an entry level consultant in, in today's world because entry level analysis, I can get, I, I, I can interview a dozen of my clients, they're, you know, the end customers to get feedback, run it through AI and have one hell of an analysis in no time, as opposed to paying, you know, what was yeah. a junior consultant to do that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, but I, where it's going to go, gosh, I, I don't know. Where do you think it's going to go? Well, again, I wasn't asked in really to look futuristic because I'm with you. I mean, to ask, you know, everything will change next week. But I'm seeing immediate impact right now, and you just mentioned one of them, certainly on entry level. But I think in a lot of ways, what it does is I think it makes the informed consultant actually more valuable because there yeah. is a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of misuse. There's a lot of misunderstanding. And I think that somebody applying the tools appropriately is actually going to become more valuable. Yeah. you know, And since AIs hallucinate, I think is the term, right? They just make things up. Unless you know, unless you're informed enough to know and be able to recognize the hallucination, AI becomes quite dangerous. And yeah, I, I'm not terribly concerned about AI replacing consulting. I, I think it's what's more interesting is going to be how consulting firms effectively use AI to create more value for clients. And yeah. again, I've seen some pretty wild and fascinating <laughs> attempts at that already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I know for our standpoint, we are expanding some of our deliverables because we can, you know, things like trend analysis and threat analysis and opportunity analysis. You know, there are some things that can be added that I don't know if they immediately add a lot of value, but they certainly add more substance to the deliverable. Yeah. For good, bad, um, or different. Yeah. I mean, and it's good thought starters. We have clients who are building. Yeah. Experts for their clients are saying, look, you have a question. What we'll do is legally, we will load the top 10 books on this particular topic. Yeah. We'll create a custom bot for you. Right. And it will just tell you, if you were to ask these top 10 authors what they think, here's what they would say. You know, And, and that's handy. I mean, that's an interesting piece of tech. Yeah. You and I have been writing uh, online, so a lot of our content has been consumed by these uh, learning models. So I think that I've actually, we've actually been using it to repurpose some of our own original content, um, which I think it's actually very good at uh, currently. It's not good at producing original content, but it's good at consuming no. and understanding original content. Yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. I was a little freaked out the first time I went on the chat GPT and said, write an article in the style of David A. Fields. And because right, I have right, published right. books and I published something like 400 odd articles, it was like, okay. And it knew who I, I am. And, and it did a, it, it's not great at original and it did an okay job, but yeah. it's a little freaky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. David, again, I appreciate you stopping by and the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, talking a little bit about marketing and consulting. Where might you invite people to connect with you, find out more about your work? They can always go to davidafields.com. So David A is an Apple, fields.com, or check on LinkedIn. We run a 15-minute Q&A every Monday, consulting best practices Q&A. On LinkedIn. Uh, and of course, I, I would encourage them to take a look at the book that you mentioned at the, the top, The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients. It has done very well and, and it's been well-received. And I think most folks will find it quite helpful. 
Yep, absolutely. I concur. Well, again, thanks for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and hopefully uh, we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road.